Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of you and us and me and everybody else in, in the whole wide world. I sort of lost my train of thought there in the middle of that. and It's like, get it together. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Don't forget, every day here in Starville should start with Strange Brew Coffee. That's the best way to get your day started. Swing over to University Drive or to Highway 12 to the original uh, location. Don't even have to get out of the car. Just right through the drive-thru, and you can pick up your drink on the way to work. Work, you know, it sucks. But it can be better with Strange Brew Coffee by your side. Work sucks, I know. She left me strange brew by the stairs. <laughs> Coffee lets you know she cares. That's good. We could we could make that work. A little jingle there for strange brew. Yeah. Uh, don't forget College World Series merchandise now available at College Corner Shop at collegecornerstore.com and uh, search CWS in the search bar there. It'll bring up everything they've got. A lot of great merchandise, maroon and white that you're going to want to wear. Either if you're headed to Omaha or if you're just watching the game at home. And, guys, Father's Day is this weekend. I certainly hope you have made it clear that you wanted something from College Corner. Make sure you tweet at me. If you got something from College Corner, let me see those great gifts, maroon and white merchandise that you guys picked up for this Father's Day. Humble Taco, my favorite Mexican restaurant in town, the best new Mexican restaurant in the city of Starkville. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots, a different kind of Mexican your favorite Southern classics turned into Mexican dishes. Fried catfish and fried chicken. We all love it here in the South. But as a taco, what? That's what I'm talking about. So head over to, to Humble Taco. Check out some of the great menu items there. And they've got something for everybody there at on University Drive, Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. I want to talk a little uh, College World Series today. Figure nobody's going to mind that. I want to talk about this, Robbie. And, and, and we got an interview coming up uh, with Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. And one of the things I talked to him about was that first weekend, I, I did not was not impressed with Texas. They, just, they didn't look very good. If you had told me coming out of that Saturday that, they, that we'd get to this point in the season and Texas was the number two overall seed, I don't know that I would have believed you on that one. So obviously Texas has evolved through the season. My question to you is, how has Mississippi State evolved during this baseball season? That was a that that was kind of a different looking Mississippi State team that weekend too. I felt like, you know, they came out in that ball game to start things off against Time Madden. I thought they were just really good at the plate. They had an, an incredible approach for a team in Game One. They looked like a team that was playing ball in, in mid June. You know, they laid off the slider and Madden couldn't locate that slider, which I thought was huge because once they laid off that, he had to start pumping fastballs in there, and they were just barreling them up. And we saw home runs, I think, from Rowdy maybe in that game. Also, Luke Hancock hit one, two. And they just – they really tagged Ty Madden. And he's had he's had kind of a propensity to do that over time during the season. Now, you still look at his numbers, and he's got a two four one earned run average, and teams are batting 189. So, he's still one of the best pitchers in baseball. But teams have been able to at times – hit him a little bit, and get on base. And I think the key in that ball game was laying off the breaking ball and hunting the fastball, and that's what they did. 
it, the thing that Mississippi State's done, that I think that Texas has done as well, is they've just won ball games. They've found ways to win. They haven't been. There hasn't been a you know one thing that I can pinpoint on Mississippi State that they've been really good at all season long. They just found ways to win, and and Texas is like that to an extent too. They're not an overly impressive offense. Now their pitching staff's really good. They have an earned run average under three, and t- everybody talks about Ty Madden, but Pete Hansen's probably been their best pitcher this season, uh, I, I think, and he's a guy that right now that's really pitching well and could actually be their best pitcher as it stands. But it's going to be interesting who they throw out for game one. But I, I just I feel like neither team has been just super impressive from you know either side. But they just won ball games. I mean, you look at Texas' schedule; they started zero and three, and they finished the year forty-seven and twelve after that weekend. Yeah, and they lost five non-conference games all year, including those three games um, in the college baseball showdown. So, you know, it's an interesting matchup between these two teams, and it's really going to be interesting to see the parallels between that first weekend and this weekend coming up because. You know, I, I'm not sure if you throw out Will Bednar or Christian McLeod, but if they do throw out McLeod, you have McLeod and Ty Madden facing off once again, just like they did in Arlington. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out on uh, another neutral field. When I think about Mississippi State and the way that you know they've gone from from that first weekend to now, one of the guys I like to point to is Rowdy Jordan, who you know, you and I, having watched Rowdy Jordan all these years, we just sort of know how it goes with Rowdy. February, Rowdy Jordan is, is not good, Rowdy Jordan. March, Rowdy Jordan is getting better, Rowdy Jordan. And then when you get into April and May, you have actual Rowdy Jordan. And you can't um, get him out. You can't get him out. And, and you look at, you know, and, and Mississippi State fans, God bless you. But if you could go back and look at a lot of tweets and a lot of message board posts about benching Rowdy Jordan, this is how it is. And if Rowdy Jordan makes the decision, hey, you know what? I, I want to do one more year at Mississippi State, I'll just go ahead and tell you. That on March thirty first he's going to be hitting about two fifteen. Yeah. But by June thirtieth or by June first he's going to be hitting about three twenty five, and that's just part of it. You know, every team sort of has their own cycle of how things go. Rowdy Jordan is an example. Tanner Allen, the when you started got to the the start of SEC play was hitting two ninety seven. Not most of the time when you start conference play is when your average starts to drop a little bit because you start seeing those better pitchers every weekend. Instead, his average went up 100 points. And let's go back to that first weekend. Yeah. T.A., 2 for 5 against Texas. Mm-hmm. And then he went 0 for 6 in the next two ball games. Yeah. And, and Rowdy was, you know, kind of similar that weekend. He's, he the started big off run on the, against Texas. And that was his only hit. He yeah. went 1 for 5, he went 1 for 4 against TCU, and then he went 2 for 5 against Texas Tech. But he had six RBI that weekend right. and two home runs. But he, after the first weekend, he's batting two eighty six, and after the first weekend for for TA, he's batting one eighty two. And um, you know, TA didn't. You know, he got back over three hundred, and he kind of maintained that for for most of the year. But he didn't really, really hit his groove until midway towards the end of the SEC schedule. Mm-hmm. Now you got both of those guys. I mean, even even Rowdy he went zero for five. I think in the last game. Mm-hmm. But both of those guys are just hard outs right now at the top of the lineup. They're gonna they're gonna work the pitch count. If they don't work the pitch count, they're gonna drive a ball in the gap or hit it over the fence. And then you got Cam James. The top three in the order for Mississippi State, I feel like they're gonna make Ty Madden work. Yeah. I, I don't think that he's gonna throw anything up there that they haven't seen this season. And that's that's the key. I mean, Mississippi State has seen the, the big boy slider. They've seen ninety five, ninety six They've they've seen guys from the left side that that are throwing 
um, you know, 93, 94. So, it, you know, whatever they see in this College World Series is not going to be foreign to them, especially T.A. and Rowdy, who have taken thousands of pitches in, in four years at Mississippi State. So, you know, at this point in the season, everybody's good. Everybody's playing playing well. It's going to be hard to, to get players out at the plate, no matter if you're batting 281 like Texas or 282 like Mississippi State. Both of these teams are built similarly. They both have big-time arms. Um, on their roster now, Texas has been a little more successful, but at the same time, I feel like you know the SEC has been a little tougher to pitch to than the Big Twelve this season. So, you know, it's both of these teams are going to be weathered, and it's going to be a heavyweight fight in Game One for both of them, just just as much as it is for Arizona and Vanderbilt or whoever. Another guy who had a guy who had a big weekend that first weekend was Luke Hancock was really seeing the ball well against the, the, those Big 12 pitchers. Uh, this ballpark, to me, sort of plays to his strengths because he's a line drive hitter. He's also such a productive hitter. He just doesn't, you know, doesn't strike out a lot. I think I saw that this past weekend was the only, only the fifth weekend all year he struck out more than once in, in a weekend. He, he just doesn't strike out. He gets walks. You said it the other day. If you get Luke Hancock in a situation where there's a runner on third with less than two outs, just go ahead and put the run on the board. Yeah, Luke Hancock's driving that guy in, or he's going to get on base one way or the other. You know, he's he's been sort of up and down this year. He's been hanging around that two fifty, two sixty mark. But I think he's the guy who could, who maybe we're not talking about enough, that could be a big piece over the next few weeks. Yeah, it just feels like these these big parks, these um, you know these parks that have the tendency to be a, a gapping park, or you know that everybody's spread out a little bit more. This might be a good spot for him. He he didn't have a great super regional. He had one hit mm-hmm. the whole uh, weekend. I think he had a couple of RBIs in that first game. Uh, but he's just an RBI producer. He's a machine. When it when he comes up and you got you know runners at second and third with one out, he's going to get a ground ball to the right side. And he's going to get a fly ball deep enough in the outfield that's going to bring him a run. He just knows what to do. And he could be, like you said, a key in this ball game. You know, he's batting two fifty eight, but he's got fifty nine RBI on the season. So he does his job, and that's what you need right now. When you have those table setters in the front end of the lineup, like T. A. Rowdy and Cam, that more often than not, T. A. and Rowdy are getting on base. Cam's usually driving somebody in, um, especially late in the season. You need Luke to do the same thing. You need to produce as much as you can in that top half of the lineup because. You just don't know what you're going to get beyond that uh, from Mississippi State, but yeah, he—I mean—he could be big here, and you know, a lot of people look at that uh, 258 average and, and wonder why he's batting where he is. It's because of what he's able to do when he gets up there and guys are on base. In the bottom half of the order, you've got two guys in Cumbus and in Clark who could have huge impacts, both positively and negatively. If those guys can come up there and continue to hit. This makes this team very formidable, especially, again, in this ballpark, two line drive hitters like that, big power guys. Not only can they get doubles, but they can, these are guys who can get home runs. But if they struggle and you go back in that situation where once you get past Logan Tanner, nobody's driving in any runs, State could easily go two and done in, 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 in Omaha. You know, for you, does State have, have both of these guys on? Do they need them both? Or, or can Cumbus sort of carry it or can Clark carry it? Or do they need them both? I think they need both of them. I mean, you think about it, if one of them's getting on base, the other one, you know, Clark right behind them has a chance to drive a ball in the gap and, and bring him in. And I think it's important to have, you know, as much production as possible in the bottom half of the lineup. 
you're you're not getting a lot of production from Lane Forsythe to turn it over. At the very least, you need a, a guy or two in front of him that Rowdy Jordan has a chance to drive in because I think that was so big at, at times last week to have Rowdy Jordan come up there with guys on base mm-hmm. because there's been so many times where he gets in there and there's nobody there and he drives a double in the gap or hits a ball over the wall for a home run. He had that big two-run home run. How big was that home run against Notre Dame no, to, to take the lead? turns the series, in my opinion. I mean, that, that was huge because State had, was just barely staying in that ball game and it was kind of going back and forth. To finally put him over the top, you felt like, okay, you're in business now. And that was because he had somebody on base who was able to drive that one out of the yard. He needs some people on base because he has the ability to put the, put a ball in the gap, to, to get doubles, triples, home runs. He's got pop, uh, despite what people tell you with how small he is. He's got the pop. So he is he's a guy that can produce a lot of runs, and I, I think it's important for State to have that production in the bottom half, and I think they will. I, th- I think this park's going to play to Cumbus and Kellum Clark because both of them are gap ball hitters. Mm-hmm. From a pitching perspective, I mean, let's just ask the question, and I assume when we do our show tomorrow, we'll know the answer. But who's starting this game? I've gone back and forth on this. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be Bednar. Okay. And you know, maybe you do want to give them a different look than what they saw from because they have the book on Christian McLeod, and the second time through the order, McLeod they got after struggled. Uh, so you know, I <clears throat> I've been struggling with this, but I, I think Bednar needs to go game one. And um, you know both of these guys are fly ball pitchers, so you, I mean this is this could be a good park for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I I don't know I I think that's I think it's a bed I think it's Bednar's game. And then the question is, what do you do in game two? I mean, I, like I. I'm starting to think Houston Harding might be your most reliable starter. Okay, do well, you push him? Do you push him up? If you're going to throw a left-hander, I tell you, I tell you why I like it and why I don't like it. I like it because I like the idea of needing to win one more game to get to the championship series, and that guy right. is Christian McLeod. I like that idea. I worry though that you hurt his confidence bumping him back another start. Yeah, he's already lost the, that that. Game and you're one talking starter. about and you're talking about being off. For what? When did he pitch? Saturday? Saturday? No, Sunday. So, I mean, you're talking about being off for two weeks. Yeah, basically. Which that's going to be just about anybody. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm just throwing something around. I mean, here. the same is true for Harding in that situation. And sp- and, and two, uh, I just, you know, if it's Tennessee in yeah. game two, do you want to throw Christian McLeod back out there after yeah. they just saw him and, and teed off on him yeah, a little that's, bit? That's that's a good point. That so, would be very interesting to see if they if they tinker with the, the the rotation in that way. I had not really thought about that. It, it didn't even occur to me to think that McLeod might not start game two. But against Tennessee, a team that you know shelled him. Now yeah. I don't know how much of that was the fact that State was not really engaged at Hoover. But and that, I guess that's my I guess that's but if, my my point there is if, idea, it, if it is Tennessee and you're in the winners bracket, and I mean people are going to say we need to focus on. Well, no. We don't need to do anything. We can I can talk. say whatever I want to. I'm not I don't have no bearing whatsoever. I'm just, just throwing things out there. Do you want to change it up a little bit and give them a different guy that they hadn't seen? My question to that would be we just talked about McLeod being a fly ball pitcher. Tennessee's a home run hitting team, but they're a home yep. run hitting team in a very small ballpark there at Tennessee. 
does that sort of play into his strengths? Because now those fly balls that they are going to hit out at Lindsey Nelson turn into you know long outs. Well, the only reason I the, the only reason I say no is because we saw it in Hoover mm-hmm. because it's a similar dimension ballpark. Okay. Now the wind blows much differently mm-hmm. in Hoover than it does in Omaha. In Omaha, the wind's going to knock down the ball a lot. Yeah. And you're, I feel like we're going to see an uptick in the home runs than what we saw in 2019 and the year before, mm-hmm. but it's still going to be different than many ballparks that these teams have played in all year. So I don't know what the right thing to do. I mean, I guess it's one of those things you just kind of wait and see whenever the time comes. But I'm just throwing ideas around. I, d- I do think Bednar's probably going to get the ball in game one. The only thing that makes me think it might be McLeod is that Lamonis has been pretty – vocal about the whole McLeod at night and Bednar during the day sort of situation. So I don't know if, if the, having the later start sort of leads him into to starting McLeod. I don't think you can go wrong with your guy. They're both really good pitchers, but it, it's, it's going to be an interesting debate. And it will be debated no matter what the choice is. I promise you that. Let's move on into the second half of this show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Ribeyes are on sale at Welcome Home Beef. fifteen ninety nine a pound. If you're thinking, well, that seems a little high, A, Go to your grocery store and say, tell me how much a ribeye is. But B, also go to your grocery store and tell me what the quality of meat is compared to what you're getting at Welcome Home Beef. There is no comparison. So Welcome Home Beef is going to have steaks on sale. You need to get over there and put one on the grill this weekend if you're staying home and watching baseball, especially for this Father's Day. Father's Day, ribeye steak, College World Series, and just all you're missing is is, is the love of your family at that point, and I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll give it to you. I just grilled a, a ribeye steak for myself and my wife and Natty the other night. So, Just one steak? Oh, we both had steaks. Oh, okay. Yes. Of course. Say, of course. Like, no. It's over there. It's like, this steak is good, Becky, but you can't have it. It's hard times, man. It's hard times. You will. You gotta take well, it's never you hard can. times over at Welcome Home Beef. It's always good times. Call them today at 662-268-8148. Visit them online, welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome home beef. It just tastes good. Robbie and I will be at Two Brothers a little later this evening. We're going to say yes, goodbye to our good friend uh, Tyler Horka before he heads off. By the way, Tyler Horka this weekend, you all were right. You all were right. He was cheering against Mississippi State the whole time. He's going to be this weekend for sure as his beloved Longhorns will take on the uh, the Bulldogs. We knew it we, from the start. He needs to tweet something like that. He needs to be like, I, you guys had me pegged. Hate needs to just, he needs to just cut a Hulk Hogan promo. Exactly. <laughs> this trash in this arena, brother. <laughs> but we'll be at Two Brothers, and man, you just can't ever go wrong when you're eating dinner, lunch at Two Brothers, or brunch on a Sunday. They have the best stuff in town. One of my favorite restaurants, as i said many times, not just here in Starville, but wherever I've traveled. Love to eat at Two Brothers. Looking forward to tonight, and you guys should be looking forward to your next trip to Two Brothers as well. In the heart of the Cotton District, that's where you'll find smoked southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Talk to Advantage Business Systems clients and find out why they have been doing business with Advantage Business Systems. They've been doing it for nearly 50 years here in Mississippi, helping businesses just like yours. They have all the products your office needs to stay successful, to keep profits high and problems low. Anything you're looking for from a technology standpoint, they've got you covered, and it's backed with great customer service that you would expect from your next-door neighbors at Advantage Business Systems. Call them today. Find out how they can help you. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Let's just go ahead and go right to the Welcome Home Beef hotline. Danny Davis covers the Texas Longhorns for uh, the Austin American Statesman. Uh, He joined me earlier today to give us a preview of the burnt orange and white 
of Texas. So let's take a look at the Texas Longhorns and what they're going to bring uh, against Mississippi State up there in Omaha. We now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Danny Davis. He covers the Longhorns for the Austin American Statesman. I'll be honest, Danny. You know, going back to the beginning of the season and, and the Globe Life Tournament, watching Texas, I was I was not very impressed with the Longhorns that first weekend, but they have been just incredible since then. Forty-seven and twelve since that opening weekend. How has this team evolved uh, throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, that, that weekend is, it, it's kind of tough what you want to put into it. And I guess if you're a fan of one of the teams you, that did well, you know, you kind of, you, know, you say, hey, we, we, beat, we beat a bunch of good teams. Um, if you're a team that struggled like Texas did, you know, you have some excuses. I mean, Texas can always fall on the fact that it was uh, the opening week of the season because of the winter storm, which I don't know how badly that hit, hit y'all in Starkville. You know, Texas wasn't able to practice pretty much the entire week until they got to Arlington. I think they got one practice in. So, you know, they were rusty, and it's really tough to be rusty when you go in there and you see someone like Landon Sims throw at you. You know, that's, it's, it's a little tougher to see that kind of your introduction to uh, the college baseball season. So I think most people, if you're a Texas fan or someone tech, covered the Texas team, you knew that was not going to be the Texas uh, team that was at the end of the season. I don't know if you necessarily thought this was a college world series team or the number two seed all the, all, overall, but you knew that that Texas team was not as bad as they, they were in Arlington. I'm sure if you were you know, a Mississippi State fan, you also knew that that was not a you know, finished product that they were seeing, too, that the you know, teams evolve, whether it's uh, lineup changes or um, you know, different um, you know, streaks or you know, whatever. You see those two teams are probably not going to be the same teams that, that they were at the beginning of the season, but yeah, Texas did not look good that weekend, but they have gotten a lot of better you know, whether it's for a couple lineup changes, a couple of the guys, uh, you know, they're starting um, right fielder. Doug, Douglas Hodo didn't play in that game. They're starting second baseman, um, you know, uh, um, didn't play in that game either. Mitchell Daly, he was a uh, true freshman. So they've had some different changes. Pete Hansen, who came out of the bullpen in that game, was coming off a COVID um, deal in the offseason. So he was working his way into form, and you know, now he's their number three with an asterisk starter. Um, so this is just a different team than what you what you saw at the begin, beginning of the season. I'm sure um, if you're a Texas fan, you also know that the team, Mississippi State team that you saw is not the same team either, and they're probably much better, much more uh, into the season and uh, battle-tested than they were in February. When you look at the stats, just you know, on paper, these two teams are pretty similar. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call either of them a great hitting team, but they definitely hit the ball well. Pitching is definitely the strength for Mississippi State. It looks appears to be the same for Texas. The team ERA uh, under two point eight nine. We all know about Ty Madden and and what he he brings to the table. One of the best pitchers in America. What does the rest of that rotation look like? And and, and you know, looking at them in the bullpen, especially I guess for Mississippi State, because we're just talking about a one game deal here. You know, who who are the first guys that are going to come in? And, and if Madden can't, you know, go go deep. You know, like I just mentioned, Pete Hansen, who pitched an inning, I believe, in that uh, opener. Um, he's their number three. He was coming off um, you know, some COVID issues in the offseason, so it kind of took him a while to get started. And he kind of came in the season. A lot of people thought he was going to be at well, this is going to be his only his last year at Texas that so he made because he's a draft eligible second year guy. Um, and that he may be a high draft pick. Kind of struggled at the beginning of the season, but really towards the end. Um, went from their midweek starter to their, you know, really solidifying the back end of their of their bullpen, and he's been a really good number three starter. I would suspect if um, Ty runs into trouble, or if um, you know they need a lefty that he'll play in the Mississippi State game, just because of you know, the you know day off you get, and he wouldn't have to start for another four days if Texas was 
fortunate enough to get that far. So I'd imagine he'd be one of the options out of the bullpen. Um, they've kind of settled on a couple, a, a three freshmen and a, um, uh, I, I believe Colt Kinsney is a redshirt junior. He was on that 2018 team. Um, those are kind of the four arms they like to call out of their bullpen. Cole hit 98 a couple of weeks ago, so he kind of seems to be hitting his stride towards the end of the season. Um, Aaron Nixon is another um, arm out of their bullpen, a freshman, has had a really good season. Um, uh, Tanner Wick is going to maybe their Friday starter next year. Has been uh, another option out of their bullpen. He's a guy that can give you two, three innings if, um, if you need him. And then Lucas Gordon, another lefty option, um, another freshman, has been... Um, other guys. So they kind of have three to four guys out of the bullpen. They do have a grad transfer in um, Palmer Wenzel who may see some time if the game gets out of hand or they need, may need one um, out if there's a matchup somewhere along the line. So, um, But yeah, Texas has kind of kept it uh, you know, kept it pretty simple. They have three or four guys they like to call on and if um, one of those guys pitches uh, one day they'll turn to the next guy the next day. When I look at them from a hitting perspective, I see a team that I think can be successful in Omaha. They, obviously, they have the three guys in double-digit home runs, but six different guys in double digits with doubles, and that's what that park you know, really needs, guys who can drive the ball into the alleys. You know, you're not going to hit as many home runs up there. Do you think from a hitting perspective this Texas team is sort of set up to win in, in Omaha? Yeah, I mean, this Texas team, I'm sure, like many teams, has had its peaks and valleys. Um, we saw a valley in Arlington, and that's been a problem as uh, – kind of mar Texas at times during the season and kind of came to props up at the Big 12 tournament where, you know, sometimes they can get a little impatient. Sometimes they have some bad at-bats and the strikeups, strikeups can pile up. And I know David, when we talked to him the other day, um, the strikeups was something he definitely kind of uh, mentioned um, concerned him just because of how uh, how good Mississippi State has been compiling, you know, however many the Bulldogs have with like 750 or something like that strikeouts this season. So I mean, that's, a, that's a concern um, for a team that has struggled uh, you know, getting the getting the bat on the ball, but you know, when Texas is able to make contact and they are able to get on base, they can wreck some havoc. They have those power guys in the middle, and then they just have some speed. They have some guys who can straight out fly. Um, Mike Antico, he's top, I believe, top three nationally in both walks and stolen bases right now. The grad transfer from St. John's, Eric Kennedy, who is um, swinging a hot stick, um, had a walk off double in one of their super regional games. But he's also a guy that can lay down a lay down a bunt and easily beat at the first base. He's has double-digit bunt singles uh, in his career, and he's uh, one of those guys where if he gets on first, you know, it's a very good chance he's taking second. So, I mean, they have some speed. They have some power. It's a nice blend. It's a matter of, you know, if they can stay within themselves and make contact. If they don't, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Texas, you know, have double-digit strikeouts, and that could be a problem if that, if that happens. Interesting with the running game with Mississippi State. You know, Logan Tanner uh, has been one of the best catchers in the SEC in terms of throwing out runners, so that'll be a fun strength on strength matchup to watch. This team only lost 15 games all year, but 10 of those were away uh, from Austin. Now, obviously, three of them are in that that opening weekend, but but overall, team has not played you know great baseball outside of their home games. Is that a concern for you as they head on the road here? Um. Not really. I don't know what the uh, the draws are going to be um, in the Omaha. I'm sure Texas is going to have its fair share of uh, of fans at the game. Um, I don't know if uh, you know who's going to have more fans there uh, in Nebraska, Texas, or Mississippi State. Um, luckily for Texas, that this is both a you know I think a good thing and a bad thing. Um, and I'm sure the Bulldogs have to deal with the same thing. You know, it's a Sunday night game, but they got up there yesterday, so I mean they've had a while to kind of get acclimated to the climate, get used to their hotel rooms, kind of, you know, get, they're not just, you know, coming in there the day before and trying to adjust to a new 
a new setting. They're going to have time to, you know, adjust the ballpark, all, all, all that stuff that they are. I don't know if they're actually allowed um, that much practice time on, at, at the ballpark. But, um, you know, I'm not really concerned since it is a neutral side game, and I'm sure, you know, Texas fans will travel. Um, but they played decently well when they went to TCU um, a couple weeks ago, and they, or a month or so ago, and they needed to, you know, win to stay in the Big 12, Big 12 title hunt. They have had some slip-ups, um, you know, at the end of, you know, some some series and stuff like that. But, you know, that can happen if you, you're playing three and you drop one. That's not the worst thing in the world that could happen. And then, obviously, there's that slip-up um, to begin the season. So, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be too concerned about them, you know, feeling out of place since it is a neutral site game and Texas will travel. But uh, it, I'm sure they'd much rather the College World Series would be played at the dish here in Austin. But, you know, that, they have to deal with the same thing that everyone else, you know, their problems are no different than anyone else this weekend. I mean, you know, Duty Noble holds, you know, 15,000 here in Starkville. I mean, we, we can get some big crowds down here if we want to go that route. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> look, and I know you guys, love, you guys love baseball down there in SEC country. Yeah, that that's for, that's for sure. Um, is Texas a team, you know, let's let's play the game that Mississippi State wins this, this first game. Is Texas a team that can get through the loser's bracket? Yeah, I, mean, I think Texas has um, some depth. And, you know, it all kind of comes down to pitching. Um, and Texas does have some depth. Um, Tristan Stevens, we didn't mention earlier, I think is a really good number two. Um, he's one of those guys that you know we may not be seeing ten years from now in the pros, but you know he's a great college pitcher. He's having a great season, and he's not going to be deterred or scared or anything like that. Like he's just a you know fifth year guy who's loving life and enjoying the fact that he gets to play for the team he grew up uh, you know rooting for and dreaming he could play for. So I mean he's you kind of built for this moment. Then you'd have you know you'd have the the Pete Hansen. Um, Coming up, coming up in that third game, and then they have some other some other guys. You know, Colby Kubitschek was part of the rotation. He could throw some innings if they needed to. Um, you know, they could have a, bull, a bullpen game with some of those bullpen guys I mentioned. So I think they have the depth on their pitching staff to make it through the, uh, the losers bracket. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure they'd much rather go the, the route of the winners bracket because. Uh, that loser's bracket is absolutely no fun. Yeah, no question about that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Sunday night, 6 p.m. Uh, at TD Ameritrade, Mississippi State and Tech. It's always fun when two power programs get together. should be a good game uh, for the two, two squads. Danny Davis from the Austin American Statesman. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Have a good one. All right, thanks to Danny for that. We really appreciate his time. Looking at this Texas team, and as I brought up in the interview, they're sort of similar to Mississippi State. They're not a dominant hitting team, but they are a good hitting team. Their pitching is clearly their strength. They have some depth in the bullpen. Maybe less depth than Mississippi State, but they've got some arms there. They've got two or three guys that scare you with the long ball. State may have a couple more. What I, what, what catches me about them is this. They have six guys with more than with double digits and doubles. That, to me, strikes me as a team that's sort of built to, to hit the ball at TD Ameritrade. When you look at Texas and you've done your scouting there, you know what do, what do you see that stands out to you? The pitching is the first thing that really kind of stands out. They have several guys that have pitched a lot of innings that um, they can rely on. Now, like you said, I, I don't know if the depth is there, but listen, State hasn't been overly su- successful pitching of late. I mean, they gave up seven or more runs in every game against Notre Dame, and they didn't have a good showing in um, in Hoover either. So State needs to come out and have a lot of success from their starters. And you're going to have to have guys come in there, Stone Simmons, uh, Preston Johnson, you need Parker Stinnett, guys like that, come in there and give you some good innings of relief. I mean, that's the teams that, that win this thing and that make the runs are the ones that have successful pitching outings. 
um, the ones that get six, seven innings from their starter and then uh, you know a, a good relief appearance. That's why State went to the national championship in 2013. State and UCLA had the two best pitching staffs really in the country, um, especially in the College World Series. And a lot of other teams there were trying to hit bombs out of the park, and they weren't going anywhere. Now, this little bit different game, but I, I don't think that changes. I think pitching remains at the forefront. State's got a four-run earn-run average, and Texas has dipped under three runs. So they've got the advantage there, <clears throat> and I think their starting pitchers are going to be really good. You know, Tristan Stevens, under three runs, earn-run average. Ty Madden, 2.41. Pete Hansen, 1.84. Uh, these guys are really good, and, and they know how to pitch. Then you're bringing in Cole Quintanilla out of the bullpen, 35 innings on the year, 30 stri- 36 strikeouts, and a 1.29 under an average. These guys can pitch it, and, and then you know they got some guys that can that can hit it as well. They got two guys, I- Ivan Melendez and uh, Mitchell Daly, at the top with 321 averages. Not a big home run hitting team. They got three guys over 10 on the year, 12 homers, 11 homers, 10 homers, uh, and they've hit 63 home runs as a team this year. State's hit 70. So, like you said, I mean, the the doubles could definitely play into their favor. They're they're a, uh, a team that can find the gaps, that can get ground balls. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Mississippi State. They also run the, run the uh, bases a lot. Uh, they've got 85 stolen bases on the year. Mike Antico, 39 of 43 stolen bases. I mean, that guy, he's a guy that gets on base, 60 walks on the season, and he's slugging, uh, I'm sorry, he's batting, he's only batting 269, you know, but that on base percentage is 439. Gets on base and then gets to second. So that matchup with sort of the game within the game with him and Logan Tanner. It's going to be like Enrique Bradfield from. Uh, very Vanderbilt. similar, very <laughs> similar, but not as good a hitter, basically. Right. Um, so this is a good, this is an interesting matchup. Two teams I think that are kind of similar. We'll have to see how it plays out. We'll talk a lot more about this matchup, especially from the Mississippi State perspective, on tomorrow's podcast, and we'll give you our preview, playmakers, and predictions for the first uh, round of the College World Series. And then my friend Robbie will be headed up to Omaha, and uh, he'll have. We'll be doing podcasts from there. We'll do some Zoom calls. We'll just go ahead and apologize in advance for the sound quality of those. That just this kind of is what it is, guys. I wish you were going with me, but I, I wish I was going to, but it would be nice. Well, it is what it is. So. It's not going to be the same this year. I, I, I know, I know. Uh, it's a little belated, but a birthday wish, we'll, 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 a happy birthday we'll throw out today as we record is Joel T. Coleman's birthday. He is uh, now 48 years old. Uh, glad to see he's almost 50 and, and doing so well with his life. Uh, you know, still ever, got his hair. Still got his hair. Ever since he got this job, he's turned to with Mississippi State. He's turned to drinking and drugs, but that's okay. We we you know we still love him anyway. So <laughs> happy birthday, Joel! Everybody knows all of that was untrue, but it was funny to say. All right, guys, have a great uh, Thursday. We're back with you on Friday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.